now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Howdy, hey, it's Randall K. coming to you live from, what is it, Spectacular Spring Hill, y'all know that. And, um, there we go, that's a little better. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Bible News Radio. Actually, we're going to be in the scriptures, Sunday in the scriptures. And I'm going to turn the music down, because a little obnoxious, huh? Just a little something I wrote many years ago. Alright, so tonight we're going to be looking at mayhem. No. Well, yeah, but we're um, going to be looking at theft, slaughter, and destruction. And that probably, uh, you know, bleeds it leads. That's what the media does. For some reason I'm having trouble changing the title over on Twitch uh, to that title every time I go to change it. So something went wrong. Trying that, Try running that quick action again later. Whoops, stream info cannot be updated. So if you're watching on Twitch, uh, you're getting the um, you're getting the episode title from uh, yesterday. All right. So um, multitasking here as usual, which I'm not very good at, as you all know, as I'm monitoring different things and you know doing the different screens, whatnot. Anyway, good to have you with you. Of course, you're not seeing your um, sweet and lovable host, my sweet and lovable, beautiful bride, uh, Stacey Lynn Harp. Uh, she had another um, engagement. She's not engaged to be married kind of thing, but she had a, a, another thing to be at, another appointment at uh, the top of the hour, so she's doing that. And I said, no problems, I can... Uh, do it solo. Now there's those that say, you know, it's, it's said that people come for her and they stay for me. So if she's not here and not coming, nobody's going to stay because I'm here because I haven't showed up. See, I saw one person drop off on YouTube already. Yep. See, they found out she's not here and then, yeah, you're stuck with me, people, for as long as you want. Uh, you could always go back and take this in sections on the replay. All right. So just seeing what's going on, making sure that things are happening in all the places that they need to be on Mixer. And again, on Twitch, I'm still trying to change the title. It will not let me. No, nope. stream info cannot be updated. So I'm not going to let it distract me anymore. Okay, you people can be looking at the uh, title. This is Pathway to the Mark of the Beast. And uh, we talked about that yesterday. But uh, I'm unable to change it now. Maybe we can go back later and do that. We being Stace and I, not you watching. Hopefully you can't uh, get into our Twitch channel and change titles. Um, I know you can raid the channel, but that doesn't mean you can change the title. Anyway, tonight we're going to continue to be looking at the the Epistle of Jude. That's that small but power-packed book. Uh, right before you get to Revelation in the New Testament. And uh, we've been kind of taking our time through it, 
I originally went into it because there were, I was just wanted to share one thing from it. Uh, for those of you who are not uh, a daily disciple and in, a, in an official way, hopefully you are a daily disciple and that you're you know, growing daily and uh, you're in the Word daily and uh, getting to know the Lord and making Him known. Uh, but uh, there is a Facebook group that we have called Daily Disciples. It's not the Daily Disciples. That's another group. But Daily Disciples, look for the uh, BNR, the Bible News Radio um, graphic there. The, the Daily Disciples has that in your, or Daily Disciples. Not the Daily Disciples, but Daily Disciples. Look for a Daily Disciples page that has the BNR graphic. And you know we've come to the right one, our one. And anyway, through that, the Daily Disciples page plus the uh, text message list which you'll see uh, scrolling along here um, see it's going that way let me yeah um, to you yeah going going right to left so you can the words go by so you can read it left to right um, you'll see there uh, a text message list that says join our sign up for our text messages or something like that, where you uh, text the term Bible news concatenated, all as one, the letters all together, Bible news to 33222. That's two threes, three twos. Um, anyway, and that'll, that you'll get communications that might otherwise fall in your spam uh, email box or whatever. Text messages seem to go through and are not um, uh, filtered and uh, censored like some other. There it is. Text Bible News at 33222 for updates, contests, and more. Yes, there are giveaways sometimes. Um, and one of the more things is that each week, uh, my beautiful bride, your sweet and lovable host, puts out a... Uh, some scriptures to read for that week that we read together. And this this past week, we went through Second Timothy and the Book of Titus. Um, just on your own, encouraged you're encouraged to read it. It's good to be in the Word every day because those studies show that Stace has mentioned a number of times that the believers that are in the Word at least four days a week, just reading it, not studying it, and getting out the you know, language concordances, just, just reading, just being in the Word four days a week, at least four days a week. Um, their lives are significantly different in terms of the fruit that they have in their lives versus those who don't read at all. There's no, uh, there seems to be um, no significant difference between believers who don't read the scriptures at least four days a week and those who and unbelievers, essentially. So the Word of God is powerful, living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing, um, piercing asunder, um, joints and marrow, bones and you know, joint. I'm messing up. Hebrews four twelve. You know, it's able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. And as James talked about the. The Word of God being the perfect law of liberty, that when we look at it, uh, we see ourselves as we are, and we should not be here as the Word, you know, forgetting what sort of person we looked at when we looked into the law, but be the doers of, but to be doers of the Word as well, so that 
uh, what we see, you know, what we behold in the Word, uh, we put it to action. Uh, do something about it, especially in our lives. So, hello Facebook viewers and YouTube viewers. Uh, uh, drop a note so I know who it is that you're watching. I just see numbers of people. And I don't want you to be a number. Well, there's even a viewer over there on Mixer. Hey, Mixer viewer. Um, Twitch. Twitch is Twitch. It's got a Twitch. Um, all right. So, off on a tangent. I'm picking up the habits of my wife in her parenthetical speaking. I started in Jude because... That was our reading. It's just one chapter. Um, I, I wanted to share one thing from Jude one week since it had been the reading the previous week. And there was a vote here online. And those of you who are watching live view, voted to continue going through uh, the book of Jude here on Sunday evenings. Uh, it's Sunday evening where I'm at. It may not be evening where you're at. It may even be Monday where you're at. Or you're watching the replay and it's Wednesday or Thursday in the morning. But, so, that's how we got to where we are uh, going through the book of Jude. Uh, got through five verses. Did we get in the sixth verse? Um, maybe we got into the sixth verse. No, I don't think so. Yeah, we got into the sixth verse because... Jude 6 relates to Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to talk about that a little more as we get into it. I'm not going to go off down the whole trail of the Nephilim, uh, Rephaim, Anakim, all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's important, I think, to understanding the scriptures, especially when you get into the book of Joshua, Joshua, Yehoshua, and in select cities the lord instructs joshua and his armies to destroy those cities utterly um, every living thing man women children beast and you think god that's so you know that sort of genocidal thing god's a maniac but when you follow when you realize that those are cities of either anakim or rephaim or you know descendants of nephilim that it makes more sense, and I'm again. I'm not going to get into that. Go down that trail. It's fascinating, but it's. I don't want to. I don't want to lose our context in the Book of Jude, and it's not. It's not. Uh, and it's not an essential to the Christian faith. It's not a salvation issue. It's. It's fascinating, and um, I believe we can see that played out in modern life. Um, you know, in these current days, but in modernity, there's the word I'm looking for. But, uh, again, not, there are other books. You can read, uh, Ryan Peterson's Judgment of the Nephilim and, uh, other things like that. And our friend Derek Gilbert has, uh, written some things, um, on that. And there, there's, there are several others. Um, but anyway, so somewhere here. Somewhere here are my notes and all these, this number of screens. It looks like I have to sign in again. Where I have my notes in Google Docs. To continue, first verify it's you. Missing the conjunction that. That seems to have dropped from the English language. That, um, anyway. 
Now that con the conjunction that that four letter word T H A T. You know, continue first verify it's you. It, it, verify it. I'm not verifying it. I'm verifying that it's me. Anyway, I digress. Ah. All right. I've got my notes, yay. And I should probably share the uh, scripture text with you as well. And we'll put that somewhere here. Like here on this screen. Yeah, we will. Yeah. On the fly pre-production, folks. This is it. Yay, well, kind of yay, this part of the screen's getting cut off, it's kind of wonky. Okay, is that? That'll do. So, just, you know, before we get into scripture, I almost <laughs> didn't practice what I preach, people. And that is, when approaching the scriptures, it's it's the only book that comes with its author. It makes sense to approach the author and um, ask for insight and understanding to what he's written. Uh, so I'm going to do that. Father God, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and uh, Lord, just your patience with me and with each one of us. We are so blessed, we are so fortunate, we are so uh, just um, endowed with um, this gift of yours, which is your written word that has been preserved throughout the ages. Uh, your thoughts delivered to us with your Holy Spirit, inspired by Holy Spirit, and continuing uh, to instruct us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for thy word. Uh, God, I pray that you'd give each of us eyes to see and ears to hear, spirits that are receptive and sensitive to your spirit, that we might receive those things that you have for us. This time is yours for you to use as you will. For our good, your glory, we ask it in the name of Yeshua Messiah. All right, a quick little review from the book of Jude. Um, windshield wipe, that would look weird. Let's just go for that, um, just typical smooth transition there. Again, using the, uh, Tree of Life version, because I like the, um, the Jewishness that's preserved from it. The Bible is a Jewish book written by Jewish authors. Uh, it's to a wider audience than just Jews, but anyway, there's... I've been reading it lately. So, anyway, I'm using it here. So, just a, a real quick, quick recap. And um, we looked at how Yehuda, Judah, or Jude, in the very anglicized way, uh, that he wrote to true believers, those who were called, that the... His uh, message to them was to contend for the faith or that 
epigonasthai that uh, to agonize to in you know the picture there is of the professional athlete that they're you know um you know no pain no gain through their blood sweat and tears they're on their a game uh the same way that we're to agonize we're supposed we're to train like the professional athletes training we're supposed to have that a uh, discipline uh for our faith and why because um um people ungodly people have uh have have sec- secretly crept in and uh then we turn to um some examples in the past of apostasy where where people have secretly kept in crept in to the congregation of saints ungodly people among the ungodly and basically led rebellion uh, not an open way as we looked as we discussed at least twice uh that the tactic of the enemy is not a broad, uh, in-your-face kind of assault, but it's this, it's this subtle, incremental, um, sort of moving people away from the truth. I'm gonna go back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter three. You know, the, ser- the serpent was more cunning or more subtle, you know, depending on the translation, and and introduced this and recap the truth with a little bit of twist of the truth. Uh, to Eve, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And it was it was like a truth, but a, with a a negative spin on it. And then from there, you know, slowly took things south and led her away into sin. And so uh, Jude here brings us some other examples uh, from the Tanakh, from the Old Testament. Uh, verse five, we looked at uh, how in the Exodus. Um, the Lord once having saved the people of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe, uh, even though, you know, people were delivered by the mighty hand of God coming out of Egypt, the, the, the plagues, and then the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day, and being all the way up to the edge of the promised land, uh, walked with, talked with, you know, ate with, slept with, you know, gathered with all these things. Those who did believe, which was few in number, unfortunately, in the end led an insurrection. Well, along the way, there were some inter- insurrections or the the rebellion of Korah and and but and others along the way when they complained about not having meat. But anyway, all the way up to the edge of the promised land, basically led in twice insurrection. One, we're going back to Egypt, but no, no, we're not. We're going to go in in our own strength and. Anyway, it ended up in a whole generation dying in the wilderness. The judgment. And then we looked at uh, verse 6 last week about uh, the angels who did not keep uh, their own position of authority or their first estate, um, I believe the old King James says, but departed their proper place. And um, scholars agree that what Jude is talking about here is Genesis chapter 6, when it talks about the sons of God, uh, B'nei Elohim. too much in there, it's a 
hey, not a chet, Randall. B'nei ha, b'nei ha Elohim. Uh, b'nei ha Elohim. Uh, the sons of God uh, came to, or the, uh, the old King James thinks this came into, though the Greek verb doesn't necessarily mean into, but they came to, much like arriving at, anyway, the daughters of men, and and that there were offspring born to them. Uh, uh, anyway, and briefly looked at two views, how some say, B'nai Ha'elohim, that means, uh, which is called the Sethite view, uh, B'nai Ha'elohim simply means godly, godly men, of, of the line of Seth, the son of Adam and Eve, and daughters of men refers to Cain, and basically godly men um, married or had relations with, um, you know, intimate relations with ungodly women. Um, and, um, okay, maybe, but the phrase in Hebrew, B'nai, Ha-Elohim, uh, used in Job in a few places, and it's obviously referring to angelic beings there. So why in Genesis chapter 6 it would just refer to godly men, and why not, why does it say daughters of Cain? Why is, why is daughters of men sons of God and daughters of men? One's good, one's evil, one's righteous, one's unrighteous. Um... And uh, I just wanted to share one other thing on that, um, that why I, I believe that Genesis 6 has to do uh, with angels, not men, um, because, of course, Jude uses the Greek word uh, agalos here, which can mean messenger, but um, uh, these angels who do not keep their own position authority but deserted their proper place, he, being God, has kept in everlasting shackles unto gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So while the shackles are everlasting, this, this being kept is temporal. It's until uh, the judgment of the great day. And so those who hold the Sethite view would say, well, yes, Jude is referring to Genesis chapter 6, but Genesis, neither Genesis chapter 6 nor Jude has to do with angels. It has to do with the godly line of Seth. And so, okay, so then the example that Jude is giving here is those, that uh, godly line of Seth didn't keep their proper place or their position of authority, their first estate. They left that, I guess their position of favor with God, and, uh, and now, and now he's, they're in hell awaiting judgment, and, and because they were unequally yoked with ungodly women, because they took wives of ungodly, uh, women that, uh, they're awaiting sentencing there in hell, it's like, okay, why would Jude use that as an example where he's talking about apostates, those secretly keeping creeping in to the congregation of saints, of believers, and and leading others astray, like in the case of the Exodus example. Um, why would 
godly Sethites marrying ungodly Cainites be, I don't know, it just doesn't seem a dramatic example. But then this, he says, Jude says that God has kept these onkelos, these messengers, these angels, I believe spiritual angels, fallen angels in the, in the way of demons, he's kept them in everlasting shackles. Um, under gloomy, uh, under gloomy darkness, and that phrase of you know um, uh, everlasting shackles, at least that I can find in scripture, is 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 a description that's never applied uh, to the condition of humans human sinners awaiting judgment in Hades or hell. Um, you know, until the great day of the great white throne judgment when death and hell are thrown into the eternal lake of fire, which was uh, created for the devil and his angels. Matthew chapter 25. And Anyway, um, when it comes to human sinners uh, in Hades or hell awaiting judgment, I see in Luke chapter 16, we read about the rich man and Lazarus. Or, you know, we see the great white throne judgment, what I mentioned at the end of Revelation chapter 20, uh, where the various places give up the dead uh, that are in them. I, I never see uh, human sinners, or in the Old Testament, uh, where it talks about being in everlasting shackles. That's So that's kind of weird that, okay, if, yes, Jude is talking about Genesis chapter 6, but Genesis chapter 6 has nothing to do with um with angels fallen angels um then yeah um just want to give a shout out to bill uh bill and the uh, barb who over there on youtube and the silent people on twitch let me try can i change the title i said i was going to forget it it's just bugging me now it's still not going to change the title on twitch Hello, Mixer people, Periscope people, and I'm not viewing the uh, Periscope broadcast. Yes, I should do that, so I can... Probably a lot more people on Periscope. Um, so, let me pull that up, and yet one more window. And see what's going on there. Let's see. Uh, Freedom Free is over there. Is this thing on? Yeah, apparently it is. All right. Hey, people on Periscope, I'll try to remember to pop over there as well uh, to see what's going on. Because I know, um, uh, yeah, WD says that there's a huge belief among Christians with Genesis 6, angels involved, uh, angels involved, but I agree with you. All right, so anyway, getting back to this, he's kept in everlasting chains until the day of judgment that Jude writes about. Where I do see that kind of language in the scripture is uh, Revelation uh, chapter 20 verses 1 and 3. And I'm sorry I don't have it up. I should have had it ready to throw up, but I'm just going to read from it. Uh, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Okay, well that's not a human being. It's an angel coming down from heaven 
holding in his hand the key to the abyss, or buso in Greek, ah meaning negation, and buso means bottom, basically. Abuso is the bottomless pit, which we read about other places in Revelation. Anyway, so, so then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the, the abyss and a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He also threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short while. So that's where I see this ever this idea of everlasting chains. I don't see it uh, where the souls of human sinners are waiting in judgment. I see Satan being bound uh, with a chain, um, you know, being shackled up. And in Luke chapter eight, verse twenty-nine, verse thirty, verse twenty-nine through thirty-one. Read, for Yeshua commanded the defiling spirit to come out of the man. This was the man that was among the tombs, uh, demon-possessed man. It says, for many times it had seized him, so that even though he was restrained and bound with change and sh chains and shackles, and that was by human uh, entities, he would break the chains and be driven by the demons into the desert. Yeshua questioned him, what is your name? Legion, he said, for many demons had entered him. Verse 31, they kept begging him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Habuso. Um, so this, this everlasting shackles, uh, you know, under, under gloomy darkness or that, you know, when I look at Revelation chapter 20, talking about the the abyss, and I look at other places in Revelation about the demons that come out of the abyss, um, and the idea that these this great chain and the, this being shackled is reserved for uh, the chief demon, Satan. Um, I get from Jude that kept in everlasting shackles till the day of judgment. Uh, that's a, that's a restraint reserved for angelic beings, um, demons, you know, fallen fallen angels, if you will. Anyway, that that one was for free. Uh, just a little more, just giving you a little more background. Why I fall along the lines that the both here the angels of Jude verse six. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bnei HaElohim are referring to angelic beings, not godly humans. All right. Just one more thing. All right, so. So Jude has one more example of uh, apostasy uh, for us. He um, gave us the apostasy, example of apostasy of the unbelievers in the Exodus, you know, with the great multitude that went to the promised land and, um, you know, led an insurrection, smaller ones, resulting in the judgment of thousands along the way, but eventually a whole generation. He gave us the example from Genesis chapter 6, that's either godly men being hooking up with ungodly women, or it's 
angels that were in heaven um uh, and forsook heaven uh to uh do whatever they you know however it is that uh uh they interfered with uh human reproduction and we talked about the whole well angels aren't given in marriage and they're they're spiritual beings how could they have they couldn't have sexual relations the word genesis 6 doesn't say that they had sexual relations it says they came to the women and was born to them it doesn't say how they did it and um yeah going through my mind is yeah as i mentioned about joshua when you look at the the select times that god had joshua would destroy men women children and animals in certain cities and you you follow the lineage of those people and it goes back to uh the giants the anyway there's a whole lot of stuff in there i digress moving on um this next example of apostasy uh, that Jude gives us as a reminder, uh, stirring up the reader to, uh, you know, he's showing us situations where ungodly people have crept in unnoticed and, and what the result of it was. And the exodus, blah, blah, you know, led to a, a generation wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Um, uh, the angels are ungodly men and and there are everlasting shackles and he doesn't really he mentions that but if anyway it's it's a much more dramatic example of ungodly creeping in if it's actual angels instead of just ungodly men because of the aforementioned stuff anakim Raphaim, and all that stuff um and then this next example in uh, verse 7, this next example of apostasy uh, dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah and its surrounding environs. Oh, that's why it's not looking right. Duh. <laughs> All right. All right. So verse 7. In the same way as these onkelos in the Greek, is the same way as these angels, um, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after a different sort of flesh or strange flesh, as it says in the Old King James, are displayed as an example, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. So Jews, about, hey, believers, contend earnestly for the faith, agonize over that, train like the professional athlete to be in the A game. Why? Because ungodly people have crept in, and, and the result of them creeping in is this apostasy. And here's some examples from the past, from the Old Testament. Here's what happened in the Exodus. Here's what happened in Genesis chapter 6. And now let's look back to... Well, ultimately, Genesis chapter 19, uh, about Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, some folks will try to tie um, um, the strange flesh being the angels, you know, because 
Genesis tells us that angels from the Lord had gone to rescue Lot and went into uh, Sodom where Lot lived and basically went to rescue them. And, um, well, let's go ahead and look at it. Um, I should probably even put it up on the screen this time. Um, or let me, hold on. Let's open that in a new tab. Yeah, we will. Genesis chapter 19. All right. And we'll pick it up in... How about verse 4? Yeah. All right. Um. Sorry, I didn't change the title earlier. All right. Genesis 19, picking up at verse of 4. They had not yet laid down when the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house from youth to elderly, all the people without exception. And they called out to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, don't act wickedly. Look, I have two daughters who have been who haven't been intimate with a man. Please let me bring them out to you to do to them uh whatever is good in your eyes. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh however, do nothing to these men since they have come under the protection of my roof. Uh get out of the way, they said. And they said, this one came as an outsider and dares to judge. Now we'll treat you worse than them. So they strongly pressed against the man Lot and moved him in close to break the door. Uh, but the men reached out their hands, uh, brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. Then they struck the men at the doorway of the house of blindness from youth to elderly. So that they gave up trying to find the doorway. Uh, it could go on, but... So, hopefully you're familiar with the, with the account there in Genesis uh, chapter 19 that previously uh, his uh, uncle, Abraham, had, had basically bargained with God. You know, God says he's going to destroy those cities and um, Abraham is saying, uh, you know, would you destroy, destroy the city for 50 righteous? No, well, say there's 40 anyway. Uh, and it's like, God, I'm just going to speak this one more time. Don't be here with me. Anyway, it gets down to, to 10. He says, if God says, hey, if there's 10 righteous people in that city, I will spare it for the sake of those 10. But um, definitely uh, not um, uh, not 10 in the city. So, so the Lord sends two angels to go get Lot and his family. 
and then what we just read there, what happened, uh, the, the men of the city, young and old, uh, without exception, see that two men, two strangers have come to the town, fresh meat, and um, when they, um, you know, uh, come nightfall, because, you know, that's, that's the way evil works, is just loves the darkness, um, you know, because people don't come to light because their deeds are evil, lest it be exposed. They know they're evil, but they do them anyway, under cover of darkness. So they come to the house at night and say, hey, send those guys out to us that we might have relationships, that we might know them. The Hebrew there is is pretty consistent with other uses of the verb, which means carnal relations. Um, you'll read these books, I think Mel White is it, Stranger at the Gate, and the other thing, the, these, um, these pro... Uh, pro-homosexual uh, folks that will say that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for inhospitality. They were just, it, was, it had nothing to do with um, sexual relations. They were just being inhospitable because, you know, um, um, that sort, homosexual fornication is, is not a sin. Um, anyway, but, you know, then why does Lot offer to send out his two daughters instead don't do anything to these men they've not known a man he makes that he, they're virgins he makes a point of saying that do to them what you will but don't arm these guys anyway so it's it's you don't have to know hebrew it's pretty clear <laughs> that it's talking about lustful it's talking about sexual things that's what they want uh from these men and so there are those, some that would equate the strange flesh in, in Jude to being the angels wanting to have relations with ships with angels and tying that back to Genesis chapter 6 when angels had some sort of interaction with human women that caused them to conceive. Um, I don't think it was actual intercourse, but um, because the... Hebrew verb is not there for that. It just is the came to them. And uh, when you read these, uh, when you read these testimonies of alien abductions, so-called, you know, extraterrestrial abductions, and the kind of probing that goes on, and the sort of things that these supposedly extraterrestrials say to these people who have been abducted, and it's like sexual in nature, and they want to know about. They want to know about basically saying things about Christianity. These <laughs> these beings travel from galaxies far away or whatever, and and they're interested in human reproduction and 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 the Bible. I don't, you know, I think it's all demonic. Um, that's a whole nother thing. But um, yeah, there seems to be this, and you look at cattle mutilations and stuff like that. There's this seems like this prepubescent fascination with uh, human reproduction among demons it's it's weird and it's yeah anyway but i i'm from the camp that the strange flesh um <clears throat> where in uh da -da -da. come on what do you do with jude um <clears throat> no that's genesis 
dude, um, um, and gone after a different sort of flesh, having given them over to sexual morality, have gone over, gone after a different sort of flesh. I don't think it's about human angel sex. I think it's <clears throat> about homosexuality because that's unnatural. I don't care. You can tell me that um, homosexuality is in is in the is in the natural kingdom. It's among earthworms and whatever. I don't whatever the <laughs> the way of the world, the natural world is heterosexual reproduction, and um, there wouldn't be a human history without heterosexual reproduction. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, so I'm of the camp that a different sort of flesh is just, is referring to homosexuality rather than human angel uh, sex. So, in this last example of apostasy, um, Judas saying in the same way as these angels, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, I don't think they were angels or you know anyway having given themselves over to sexual morality and and gone after a different sort of flesh are displayed in this, as an example just like the prior two the people the exodus and the and the b'nai ha'elohim of genesis chapter six suffering the punishment of eternal fire and there was there's not only the fire that awaits them. Uh, Jesus said um, of some of the cities that he visited uh, that it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for them. And that's because uh, those cities had him, the word become flesh. Yeshua, Messiah, was, Messiah had been with them um, proclaiming the gospel and they rejected him. Uh, versus Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, who just were living on earth and just had eternity in their hearts and just the witness of the natural world. I, I mean, obviously, they waited for darkness to go after the, the fresh meat that had come to town, right? I mean, they knew it was wrong. Oh, and that was the other thing I want to bring up. Genesis chapter 19. I gotta love this. This is this is just so. There's nothing new under the sun. Genesis. Whoops, that says Jude. Genesis 19. Genesis 19, um, verse seven. Uh, and said, "This is Lot." Went out to them and said, "Please, my brothers, don't act wickedly." And that's when he offers his virgin daughters. Um. Uh. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Anyway, um, right here, verse 9, yeah. And they said, get out of the way, they said. And they said, this one came in as an outsider and dares to judge. Now we'll treat you worse than them. <clears throat> so, I don't know what they had in mind for Lot uh, before he was rescued by the angels that reached out and grabbed him and struck the men in the city with blindness. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he's saying, brothers, don't do so wickedly. 
Don't don't do this wicked thing. And <laughs> they say, this one came as an outsider and dares to judge. Is there like is that just so classic where, um, where there will be non-believers just steeped in sin, and and you'll call out, you'll just not necessarily call it out like in a rude sort of way, just mention something that is unrighteous, uh, maybe not about their behavior but a behavior. And it's like, who made you judge? You know, done just done. You know, haven't you read? Judge not, you should not be judged. And you holier than thou, you goody two shoes, and you. Uh, now suddenly they're on a moral high ground. You know, you can't, you can't judge. Who made you a judge? How how you dare saying what we're doing is wicked? Uh, you know, when they're just like steeped and just. Uh, and debauchery, and then they'll take, oh, how dare you say something that, that I'm sinful, I'm doing something wicked? How dare you, you judgmental whatever? You know, then, then suddenly they're moral. They've got this moral high ground that they can stand on. Um, and not only, you know, the, are they, how dare you judge? We'll treat you worse than them. Yeah, that's that's how moral we are. Not only can we judge you, but we're going to treat you worse than we were going to uh, do to these other guys. Anyway, is that just like I shouldn't I shouldn't grin or, you know, but it's just it just shows me that there's nothing new under the sun. I'm I'm not trying to make fun of people who are trapped in sin. Um, yeah, Judge Not of the Steel Say, Bill, yeah. Oh, yeah, Bill Harper mentioning, uh, Romans chapter 1, 24 through 26, yeah, which others tried to spin and say, well, it's not talking about homosexuality in general there, it's speaking about the, the, uh, non, non-monogamous uh, homosexuals, those who are really perverted about it, and, but it, it's clear you know, even their women leaving the natural use, it's speaking what is against nature. Um, that, that homosexual relations, no matter how loving they, um, you know, are, and no matter how they're, they're not, they're, it's, it's not, it's not biblical. It's not approved. Just the same as fornication. Any, any sexual relations outside of the bond of marriage, one man, one woman for life, um, that is unbiblical, ungodly. Um, unmarried sex, the Bible refers to, at least in our English um, translations, is fornication. Porneia in the Greek, uh, where we get a word pornography. It's, it's, a, it's just this un... The sex outside the covenant of marriage is just, you know, where where children can be raised and with two parents and, you know, raised to be respectful citizens. Uh, sexuality strictly for the pleasure of it, strictly for the fleshly, you know, that, that's fornication, that's porneia, that's pornography. And it's like, we don't want no conception going on. It's not about reproduction. It's about just strictly the fleshly pleasure of it 
and you know if, if a pregnancy results well there's always abortion there's a murder that we can follow with the ungodliness and not deal with the consequences of it and and when when sexuality is outside of not just apart from marriage but when one of the partners is married but is having relations with someone who isn't their covenant partner their bride or groom that's something that at least in the english translations we see as adultery um and so any any relations heterosexual homosexual what do you say when it's with animals well bestial um but I don't know how you get the word sex in there. Anyway, um, any any of that, um, any any kind of relations outside of a husband wife relationship, is is not only unbiblical, ungodly, is laid out in scripture. I mean, just human experience tells us that no good things come out of that. Uh, there may be temporary pleasure, but there's it's it's not good for anybody and god the loving god uh tells us to stay away from such things those guidelines are put there not to be let's see if they can do this just just see if they can follow directions because i'm an evil dictator no god for god is love god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever uh, should believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is loving God and has put these, you know, has shown us the design of what's good for us and and the things that are not good for us. And sexual expression outside of a marriage is not good for us. Anyway, kind of digressing there. Um... Uh, so, uh, so the the apostasy, <laughs> the example of the apostasy of Sodom and Gomorrah. Golly, yeah, I didn't forget. No, I didn't forget. I promise. Um, um and wow, this is whole. Um, um all right. Slow down, slow down, brain. Get my words together. All right, it's it's again, it's an example of apostasy. It wasn't a full-on, brought-on thing. It was um, the the you know these cities. Um, you know, it's not something they did overnight. Got into going after strange flesh. Didn't get into this. A perverse a preoccupation with um, sexual activity, uh, you know, similar to the way in which the angels of Genesis surrendered the blessing of heaven to invest themselves in some type of unholy sexual activity involving human women. The citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah and those neighboring cities, you know, Jude said in the same way as these angels, um, you know, in the midst of their prosperity, gave themselves over incrementally to sexual immorality, including homosexuality, 
uh, resulting in the annihilation of those cities. In Genesis 19, 24, 25, and Adonai, or the Lord, uh, rained sulfur and fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah uh, from the Lord out of the sky. So he demolished these cities and the whole surrounding area, all the inhabitants of the cities and the vegetation of the ground. And um, even to this day where we believe those cities were those cities of the plain, uh, the ground is, is, is not, it's not arid. It's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But basically it's, you can't grow anything there, uh, because of the mineral, um, content. Anyway, uh, gosh. And yeah, the other thing was, it's interesting, the subtle things too, when we see lots move to where um, his compromise of getting in to be a citizen of Sodom, even though he was one of the, the righteous that was rescued, the less than 10 that came out of that city, um, we see way back where the scripture tells us that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And then, then we find him sitting in the gate. He's among the leaders there. And then, et cetera. Now, but he never was a part of it in that, you know, this one came from the outsider and he's going to judge us. Anyway, but he compromised a great deal and was able to be delivered out of that. So there, there is room for deliverance, uh, for salvation in whatever we might have been caught up in, uh, led astray by, um, Certainly, um, think of, uh, is it 1 Corinthians chapter 6? A list a number of things, you know, where Paul says, do not be deceived, neither, you know, uh, neither thieves, nor drunkards, nor homosexuals, nor revilers, etc. There's this long list of things, adulterers or fornicators, uh, shall inherit the kingdom of God. He said, but such were some of you, you have been washed, um, um, why don't just bring that up? Because I think that's it's 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 such good stuff. First Corinthians six. Um, right, verse nine. That's where it's at. And um, I'll turn off the title so I don't have the wrong reference up. Or don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, and that's the fornicators here, sexual immoral, fornicators, idolaters, um, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. That is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were made holy, you were set right in the name of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and by the Ruach, or the Spirit of our God. Um, God God is a God of second chances. He's the God of redemption. That's the whole idea of, of well, his name, Yeshua, uh, from the Hebrew, Yasha, 
which means uh, you know, which means to save uh, Yeshua. Um, he is salvation, as the angel Gabriel told uh, Joseph that you know you should call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins, deliver uh, the people uh, from their sins, and that's what God does uh, through through Yeshua, through Jesus the Messiah, is no matter what sort of thing uh, we've been caught up and led astray by, given ourselves over to, uh, there is that chance for redemption. Um, however, uh, the getting back to Jude here, I don't want to dismiss it like, however, that's, no, that's important. I mean, that's what, that's what the gospel is all about. That is the good news. That though all we like sheep have gone astray to and our own ways, um, that there's none righteous, no, not one, that he has borne the penalty for our sins, that he, uh, Yeshua, Jesus, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, uh, and took on human flesh, uh, paid the price uh, for us, lived the life that we could not live, um, died the death that we should have died so that we could have eternal life in him. Uh, forgiveness uh, from our sins, for our sins, and um, live eternally with him. Be in his good graces. Uh, be in right standing with God. Spend eternity with him. That's really important. And that's the faith that Jude um, urges us to earnestly contend for to agonize over to uh be in our a game what he's talking about here is those ungodly people and through these examples of apostasy in the exodus in genesis chapter 6 uh in sodom gomorrah is this idea that when when the ungodly infiltrate the ranks of the saints um, and spread their cunning deceptions, uh, the, the result is catastrophic. It's not like, um, you know, they, you know, these false teachers, these apostates who secretly creep in. It's not someone, it's not like the person who's led astray by someone else. These are the calculating, conniving, cunning. Their purpose is deception. They're coming in purposely, um, um, you know, to to wreak havoc, um, to to undo people and their faith. Um, they're not just out to make a name for themselves. Uh, you know, it's not they're they're not there simply to fleece the flock. You know, take the money and run. They're not there for their own personal reward. Uh, they're coming in to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, speaking of false shepherds, it's not about Satan that um, that Jesus is talking about in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. He's talking about himself as the good shepherd, and he's talking about everyone else uh, coming in as a, a false shepherd who wants to say there's some other way into the sheepfold other than him. Uh, he's speaking to false shepherds, and he says that they are that they're thieves and robbers. And he says the thief comes only to steal, 
slaughter, your version may say kill, um, and to destroy. And the Greek word there for slaughter, um, uh, fuse, um, it's about blowing smoke, but not blowing smoke and like blowing hot air. We talk about in English, like, oh, we're just full of it. Um, it's like billowing smoke and fanning flames. It's, it's usually related to sacrifice. And so the thief only comes to steal, to sacrifice, like for whatever their cause is, to treat people like sacrificial animals, to slaughter them for their, for the ends of destruction and to destroy. And the word there in the Greek means to utterly destroy. Uh, these these ungodly people that secretly creep into the church and incrementally, you know, twist doctrine, whatever. It, again, it's not for the personal gain. It's it's to <laughs> it's to steal, to slaughter, to make sacrifice of people, and to utterly destroy. You know, if they can bring down congregations, you know, whatever, kill generations in the wilderness. Uh, affect um, generations to come through um, um, genetic corruption, which I think Genesis 6 is all about, or or um, bring, bring down the entire destruction of cities and the vegetation and all around is what ended up in the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're, it, it's not like they really... Fear so much being judged is just, you know, just to take as many people out as possible. And uh, so our duty, Jude is saying, as believers, is to earnestly contend for the faith. Uh, Epagonosthai, or I don't remember the exact Greek word, you know, that, that, that struggle, that agonizing, like the used of professional athletes, the, you know, um, you know, training for competition, earnestly contending for the faith, uh, so that why so that we'll be able to recognize these false teachers, these ungodly people, no matter whose company they keep or how holy they may seem. You know, uh, you know, it's our job to be able to recognize them. You should recognize them by their fruits, uh, Jesus said, and recognize them not only. So we're not led astray, but to shut them down before they bring many others down with them in, uh, in irreparable destruction and judgment. Um, so, hey, we got through verse 7. <laughs> um, anyway, next week we'll pick up at verse 8 where Jude gives us a little more insight into these, these wolves in sheep clothing. It talks a little more about about their operations and their character and then who they are at the core some insight into who they are so we and it gets clear that he's not talking about people who have been led astray um there's hope for again whatever um hey i stopped drinking when i turned 21 uh, because the lord came into my life i did the i did the drinking i did the drugs i did all of that um, um, but the Lord delivered me because I simply surrendered to him and said, Lord, forgive me and help me in so many words, uh, really few words, actually. 
uh, said, Lord, I've messed up my life. Lord, come into my life and, and make me what you want to be. Um, there, there is hope. God is a God of second chances. These folks, as we'll see, um, Jude touched on it earlier, that they have a place reserved in hell because we'll find out that it's, it's not like they're led astray. They are lead, They know better, uh, uh, and and it's their mission again, as Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. The, to steal, to sacrifice, make sacrifice of people, slaughter them, and bring utter destruction. And um, we need to, and again, they're not, they're not out in the open. Hey, I'm here to bring down your congregation. Hey, I'm here to destroy Christianity. Hey, I'm here to, no, the, the cunning, subtle, and it's little this, little that, little, little variation here, little tweak there. And then, and then we need to be those A students of the word that we can, we can spot them again. They uh, Paul talks about in First Corinthians eleven about uh, you know Satan able to transform himself into an angel of light. If, if Satan can transform himself into an angel, angel of light, is it any wonder that his ministers can appear as ministers of of righteousness? Oh, they can look holy. They can you know. They can talk the talk, and they can, I don't know, make it look like they're walking the walk. I don't know. that. Um, you know, they can be at the, the potluck and everything else, and but, you know, subtly uh, working in deceptions to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we need to be on our A-game uh, in the faith. Uh, so that we can recognize these people and be bold enough to, to shut them down uh, before they take many down with them in utter destruction. And um, so in helping to recognize them, next week we look at verse 8 and following we'll get a little more insight into what these ungodly people are like. So, speaking of bold, I encourage you, my friends, my dearly beloved to be bold, to stand up, stand up against these ungodly wolves in sheep's clothing, and to go with God. Don't go with them. Don't go with the false teachers. Don't go with what you know to be true. Go with God. Why? Because he loves you. He's not out to steal, kill, and destroy. God loves you. Go with God. Good night.